When Solomon said there was a time and a place for everything, Shirley had not encountered the travails of junior high. But during those formative years, there was truly a time for all things. A time to dance, a time to sing, a time to date, and yes, even a time to fight. Relive these pivotal triumphs and pitfalls with Pat McCarthy as he recalls a series of first-time experiences within the walls of Lynn Haven Junior High School. First Fight, written by Patrick McCarthy, read by Bo Pritchard. First Fight. When I think of junior high school, I always feel a certain twinge in my stomach. When you're 14 years old, your life is very small. Your vision of the world is less than tunnel. It's more like keyhole vision. And with a vision like this, it's difficult to imagine anything more than, say, what you will eat for lunch or what movie you'll see next. Of course, as a 14-year-old male, there's also a new problem on the horizon. Girls. With the focus narrowed to food, film, and females, it's easy for your life to be turned completely upside down. Let's say your day goes something like this. You wake up only to find out that your cruel mother forgot to replenish the chocolate Pop-Tarts. Although this may seem rather trivial, at 14, it is one significant piece to a dangerous balancing act between happiness and horror. Next you hear that the coolest movie of the year comes out on Friday, and it's rated R. Now for some, this may not be a problem, but in a household where jerk is a curse word, this can be a challenge. PG in my house meant parents go with you. Finally, you get a phone call from your best friend who tells you that the girl you really like thinks you smell funny. Ugh. You might as well stay in bed. Life has no value on a day like this. Yes, in hindsight, the life of a teenager is shallow, but that doesn't mean that it isn't difficult. When the happiness of your life revolves around two or three things, it's very easy for something to go wrong. One prominent memory as a teenager was my first fight. Technically, it wasn't a real fight, but I'll get to that later. When I was 14, I was in the 8th grade. I attended Lynn Haven Junior High, which consisted of grades 7 through 9. Being an 8th grader meant that I had a little dignity. I would like to stress the word little. I still felt completely awkward much of the time, but at least I had acquired some friends who felt completely awkward as well. Attending junior high was in many ways like playing the board game Operation. You know the one where you try to remove the bones without touching the metal sides or a loud buzzer goes off. I spent most of my time not trying to set someone off, especially in the hallway. In fact, junior high would be no trouble at all if you didn't have to travel down the hallway and run the risk of bumping into someone, looking at someone the wrong way, or simply looking like a dork as you traveled to your next class. I can remember accidentally bumping into Crystal Britton, 
Crystal was stronger than most boys in the building and could probably hold her own with most boys in high school as well. I guess it came from the fact that she was the youngest of seven and the other six happened to be boys, state wrestling champions. On the day in question, I was running late to Spanish class. Crystal just so happened to have a locker in the row right behind mine. It was close quarters to say the least. On most occasions, I simply waited to approach my locker until she was finished, but today, I was running late. I was offered an extra set of ho-hos at lunch. Need I say more? In opening my locker, I tried to be careful not to encroach on Crystal's personal space bubble, but I unfortunately bumped her derriere with my pencil as I shut my locker. Suffice it to say, all hell broke loose. What in the hell are you doing touching my butt? I, I d- didn't realize I, I had a... Uh, you didn't realize? Do you see this? Crystal pointed to the body part in question. I, uh, I'm, I'm really sorry. I said, do you see this? Crystal pointed again. Yes, uh, yes, I, I mumbled, trying not to look directly at the area of conflict. This here butt is mine, and you do not, will not, shall not, not, not even look at it let alone touch it. Do you hear me? I, I apologize. I just I just didn't realize that I could touch your um, uh, bottom from where I was standing. Well, wait a minute. Are you saying I have a big butt? No, 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 no. You, you have a, a, a very nice butt. I told you not to look at my butt. Is there a problem? Miss Jenkins, the assistant principal, spoke, coming to my rescue. He could hear Crystal from the other end of the hall. No, sir. Crystal and I responded. Crystal realized that she could not afford another visit to the office, so she simply walked off to class. I followed suit. My encounter with Crystal was one of many altercations that, thankfully, didn't go much further than words. It was later that year that a physical confrontation actually took place. As I was saying earlier, as an 8th grader, I had acquired a few friends who shared in the adventure of awkwardness. My two lunch buddies were Dennis Patterson and Jeff Davis. Both Dennis and Jeff had had their share of difficulties in high school. Dennis had issues with chronic flatulence, and Jeff had the unfortunate predicament of having the voice of a 5-year-old girl. Dennis cleverly found ways to work around his plight, but Jeff had to simply wait and pray a voice would change. Of course, I had my troubles as well, but they were mostly glandular. During lunch, we would meet together and share our thoughts about food, movies, and girls. Another acquaintance that sat at our table was a boy named Doug Levy. I'm not quite sure how Doug wound up at our table, But somehow he found us, and from day one, he began to share his many accomplishments with us. Doug had achieved much as a 14-year-old, including, but not limited to, a black belt in karate, a solo canoe trip down the Amazon, a license to drive a helicopter, high score on virtually every video game in the Northern Hemisphere, and an ascent of Mount Everest without the aid of supplemental oxygen. (laughs) 
At first, we were wowed by Doug's accomplishments. But at one point, even my friends and I could ascertain that many of these feats were probably not true. The real turning point for me was when Doug mentioned that he was dating Paulina Poroskova. I mean, yes, Doug was a charming guy, but come on. Why would one of the world's most popular supermodels be dating a boy in junior high? The Paulina story was the straw that broke the camel's back. Normally, I was quite tolerant of the eccentricities of my contemporaries, considering the fact that I carried an encyclopedia of them myself, but for some reason, Doug struck a nerve. It's one thing to brag about being able to eat seven large meat lovers' pizzas at one sitting, but the boast that you were dating a woman who was plastered on the walls of every teenage boy's bedroom in the New World was simply insulting. Did he honestly think that we believed him? I know we were far below the ranks of, say, the top 300 in our class of 400, but come on, enough was enough. I had to put an end to this. Doug, you were not making out with Paulina Poroskova in the 7-Eleven parking lot last night. Doug looked stunned at my outburst. Although my friends had questioned his stories behind his back, we had never confronted him. Doug was visibly angry, but said not a word. He simply stood up with his tray and walked away. I was puzzled. Was that all I had to do? Did I possess some magical power that somehow prevented Doug from retaliating? Dennis and Jeff looked puzzled as well, but they also looked relieved that the 800-pound gorilla had been confronted head-on, and apparently it was nothing more than a lot of hot air. We finished our lunch with a discussion well-grounded in reality, food, film, and females. No one dared to mention Paulina. After finishing my food and going back to the food line to get an extra pack of Ho-Ho's, a victory snack, we headed out to the courtyard for a few minutes before the next class started. As I stepped out the door, I could sense that something was wrong, very wrong. There was a large group of boys standing in a circle in the middle of the courtyard. The next thing I knew, Everett Battle, a consummate pugilist and semi-friend, told me he would hold my books. I reluctantly handed them to him more out of obligation than out of want. Next thing I knew, I was in the middle of the circle and Doug was holding up his fist. What did I got myself into? At this point, I need to make a confession. I'm the least physically violent person you have ever met. At the time of this altercation, I had never intentionally struck another human being, not even my older brother who had fought with me on several occasions. I was in a no-win situation from top to bottom. At that moment, I had an out-of-body experience. I suddenly floated up to the clouds and rested on a large patch of white, fluffy cushion. As I peered to another cloud, I could see Paulina smiling and mouthing the words, Thank you. Unfortunately, 
My out-of-body experience ended abruptly when I was pushed towards Doug's clenched fist. More from the push than Doug's artful punches, my nose and upper lip collided with his knuckles, and my nose started to bleed. I immediately went into survival mode and tackled him. I held him on the ground for about 10 seconds. Next, I began to realize the stupidity of the predicament. If I stayed in this position, I would simply get in trouble with the administration. I decided to get up and go to class. Everyone, including Doug, was stunned by my odd behavior. Everett handed me my books, and I walked to my earth science class with my war wounds and a strong sense of alienation. When I sat in class, I felt that everyone was looking at me. I felt that everyone knew what had happened. Everyone knew that Doug Levy had beaten me up. I couldn't wait to get home and hide for the rest of my life. Of course, I had to wait for three more classes before the day was over. Just enough time for the word to spread across the building that I had been beaten to a pulp by Doug Levy. As I sat on the bus for the ride home, Bobby Bassing, the neighborhood know-it-all, sat beside me. Hey, Pat, I heard you were taken out by the Levinator. Man, that's got to hurt. You know he's dating Paulina. Yeah, I heard. It's not so bad. I mean, Doug is a stud, and, well, you're you're not quite a stud. Thanks. I appreciate it, Bobby. Coming from you, that means a lot. I didn't want to remind Bobby that he had been beaten up by his eight-year-old sister or that he was pantsed at church during his first communion in front of his entire family, including second cousins. Bobby knew embarrassment like George Carlin knew profanity. He was well acquainted, but his words did little to assuage my situation. When I arrived home, I immediately ran to my room and turned on my stereo. I, the tiger, was playing on the radio. I lay on my bed and looked over to see Paulina smiling at me. You've been listening to Episode 1, First Fight, from the series First, written by Pat McCarthy, and narrated by Bo Pritchard. This has been a Two Brothers Nostalgia production, copyright 2016. Join us next month for episode two, First Date.